Welcome to Day 142 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Mm-hmm. We have been reading through Paul's letters, and we have come to the book of Romans. What a rich book. This is the longest of Paul's letters. This is the richest of Paul's letters. This is mm-hmm. the deepest of Paul's letters. Ephesians you know, is a nice second you know, competitor, and there's some things in Ephesians maybe not included in the book of Romans. It's shorter, and so a little bit more compact, but... The book of Romans is Paul's explanation of the gospel from the start to the finish. He begins by describing what the gospel is, and he describes our need for the gospel, uh, how Christ is our answer to our deepest need, and then the implications of the gospel. So it's a it's a fun letter from beginning uh, to end. Paul is writing to a church that he is um, he's never met. He, he writes to the Colossians, which he's never met, but Colossians was kind of birthed out of his ministry while he was at Ephesus. But the church in uh, Rome, we have no idea what the origin was. Probably, you know, people who had come for Pentecost had received Christ and gone back to the city of Rome, and they started a thriving Jewish church in the city of Rome. Somewhere along the way, Claudius, the emperor of Rome, expelled all the Jews from the city of uh, Rome. And so they were cast out in different parts of the country. Five years later, they were invited back. Whenever they came back, the Jewish Christians came back, they realized that the church was largely made up of Gentiles and had taken on a Gentile flavor. So the book of Romans, you'll see the balance where Paul is talking to Jew and Gentile to bring them together in one body. So even in the first part, when we're talking about the gospel, we'll talk about here are the sins that you find among the Gentiles and here are the sins you find among the Jews. And we all alike are under condemnation, but we're all alike are justified freely through Christ. Mm -hmm. So fantastic book. We can hardly wait to dig in. But before we dig in, let's do as we always do. Let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting this up? No, let's pray. And Father, as always, we do thank you for a few moments to dive into your word. We thank you so much for your word and how it shapes us and guides us and instructs us. It convicts us and it encourages us. And it does so much more. And so we do ask now that as we turn to your scriptures, that you would help us to behold the gospel. And that we, if we are weary, if we are tired, that we would be renewed and refreshed in the gospel today. Thank you so much for the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what he has done for us, what he's doing in us and what he's doing through us. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who were called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all, in Ro- to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. 
I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because of the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For all they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So we started out on such a positive note, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it gets dark, yeah. you know, very quickly. And, and of course, the gospel is good news because it reaches us in our darkness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, we don't like to think of our our darkness as just all that dark. Mm-hmm. We're pretty good people, and there's not a you know great need that we have. Uh, but according to Scripture, we have been so uh, darkened in our thinking, uh, so futile in the way that we think and the things that we treasure, mm-hmm. that uh, our hearts and our minds have been reshaped and our, our sense of what is normal and what is right, what is a reflection of mm-hmm. you know, God's goodness for our life is totally twisted out of shape. And of course, he's about to move into the next, you know, there's a second panel that comes right after this, mm-hmm. which we'll cover tomorrow, which you know, talks about the sins of people who are highly moral and people mm-hmm. who respect the law. So all of us are twisted in our thinking and all of us have twisted God's best for us into something new, different than it, he intended it to be. And so that is why we, we need a gospel. So he mm-hmm. introduced the gospel and he immediately convicts all of us under sin. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're finished with this, you'll all feel like, yeah, we really do need a Savior, which is uh, you know the good news of the gospel. I like, I, I usually don't do this, but uh, I like a, the way John Stott has described just 
the first few verses of here. It says there are you know, six things that come out of you know the gospel. And let me just read this. This is pretty fun. Paul's call from God was to proclaim a message of good news, a gospel. His description of the gospel sets the tone for the entire letter. First, the origin of the gospel is God. The apostles did not invent it, but God revealed it to them. Secondly, the witness to the gospel is a scripture. The message had been promised beforehand through the prophets. Thirdly, the heart of the gospel is Jesus Christ, is a message regarding his son. Fourthly, the embrace of the gospel is all nations. Paul was given the responsibility to call the Gentiles. And, and by the way, the word you know, Gentile, there is a word for nations. And so you could, every time you see it, mm-hmm. translate it, you know, this is for the nations, which means it's extending, you know, well beyond Jewish boundaries. Mm-hmm. Fifthly, the purpose of the gospel is to draw those who hear to the obedience that comes through faith. And finally, the goal of the gospel is to honor Christ's name. The highest motive for sharing the message is passionate zeal for the glory of of Jesus, mm-hmm. so um, Dr. Stott or John Stott <laughs> is able, you know, to do a lot you know, hey, in a few small sentences, and this is kind of a wonderful, you know, summary of the gospel. So, what are some other things that stand out as you uh, look into this first chapter? Well, I think one of my favorite verses is actually verse sixteen, where it says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles." Um. First of all, God is powerful, but then when you think about this is the power of God, I mean, it's just huge, and this is such an intentional plan, but it brings us into salvation, and then he continues to use that power of the gospel to sanctify us or to kind of move us along to maturity. So you're always, you're never done with the gospel. You're always applying it daily and i so appreciate that it's the power in my life that will transform and, and the gospel is yeah the gospel is not a set of instructions by which we can transform ourselves it, no. is, it is the power the very power by which we which we are transformed mm-hmm. right. you know through faith in christ and when we say the gospel it's um, because the gospel leads us to christ and it is the power of god you know for the salvation of everyone who, who believes mm-hmm. and that's you know important and if you remember you know that second half that darkness of the second half there's no way we can lift ourselves out of that Mm -hmm. kind of depravity out of that kind of futility out of that kind of self-centeredness out of that you know lifestyle we we need to be rescued and uh the gospel is Mm -hmm. the power of god to rescue us from this this you know present darkness that we live in Mm -hmm. no i think Obviously, John Stott's talking points and his description of this passage is, is so clear and, and brings up so many wonderful things about it. You should remember that for next time you uh, preach from Romans chapter Yeah, I one. think so. I'm like, you for that quote. Yeah. Hey, Paul, what was that, uh, John Scott? Yeah. John Scott? That's right. But especially on, on, the, on the darkness side, and I think, you know, so often we do look at Romans 1, and we often see, you know, women exchanging natural relationships, men exchanging yeah. natural relationships, and we fixate on that. Yeah. But when you really look at this list, especially starting in verse 28 through 32, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any of us that can escape anything, you know, on that list, whether no. it's slander or gossip or even just disobeying our parents. Yeah, he threw that one in yeah. there. You disobey your parents. Like, golly, man. Yeah. That's the root of all evil. <laughs> well, not that, yeah. you know, obviously, but, you know, when, when we consider, you know, us being in sin, and he'll get into this later on in Romans, but mm-hmm. the good news is good news, and we all need that good news because we all are in sin, and we can't escape the consequences of sin and the impact sin's had on our life, even you know, the big things of maybe sexual identity, but also even the smaller things yeah. of disobeying your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, so we're there, all on this no, list, and as we'll say later, you know, we're all condemned. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. 
and uh, where it starts, you know, verse 21, although they, yeah. they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so th- those are the two things that are due God, that we acknowledge who he is and that we live our life in gratitude to him. And, of course, when we talk about, you know, these different you know, sins of the flesh, the reason they're, they're so hideous is not, you know, for what they are in and of themselves. The reason they're so hideous is there's such a, a deep fall from what God created us to be as a reflection mm-hmm. of his self and find goodness in him rather than finding, you know, goodness in all of these little things uh, or big things that we explore and give ourselves to. So we close it, you know, in the, in the language of idolatry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's a lot of where you would have seen this kind of licentious mm-hmm. lifestyle taking place within the pagan temples. But it also flows over into the everyday lives because we become like what we worship. And it's mm-hmm. we exchange the glory, you know, for whatever it is on this list. We're mm-hmm. exchanging, you know, the glory of God you know, for, for something less, mm-hmm. something you know, far less. And. In line with what you're saying in verse 25, you kind of hear sort of that garden um, vocabulary. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and and worshipped. But, I mean, that's how it all started was the exchanging of the truth in the garden and being deceived and, of course, surrendering to that and exchanging that truth for a lie. No, you're right. That's that's an echo of the garden. Yeah. That uh, rather than, you know, looking to God for their highest and best, they Mm – believe what the enemy told them you know the god is holding out on you right. and you can actually you know become more you know than he intended you to be or more than he created you to be mm-hmm. you know just by uh, seeking your own highest and best mm-hmm. and of course that's what and you know this darkness is about us seeking our highest and best apart from god and truly his highest and best is not just a, you know he has a bunch of rules that we need to follow right. you know so we can you know punch our card and you know mm-hmm. go to heaven when we die this, he's created these boundaries in order for us to thrive in him mm-hmm. and uh, everything that he has done is, is, is for you know for his glory for our good and for our joy mm-hmm. and so we've not only sacrificed you know the presence of God we sacrifice the blessing of God mm-hmm. when we move here and the joy that comes from knowing him and I love, too, just the progression of chapter 1. When we see, obviously, yeah, what Cindy's mentioned in verse 25, that people have worshipped and served, you know, created things rather than the Creator. But mm-hmm. Paul also gives a, a really good defense on why the Creator is worthy of worship mm-hmm. and service, right? That, you know, even through the patriarchs of old, even through David, there's this promise of, of a man to come, and, mm-hmm. and he will introduce a righteousness by faith, and that he will call us to obedience, not to get faith, but in, in light of faith. Right. And so just this wonderful description of this good news mm-hmm. for a broken people yeah. and that's why you know the creator is worthy of worship and service yeah. no he makes people right who trust in him mm-hmm. not who look to themselves and who look for resources uh, around them mm-hmm. but he makes people right who trust in him mm-hmm. well that's it's been fun of course we didn't cover everything we should in, in the passage so much. Uh, so good. but uh cindy why don't, why don't you close this world sure prayer? sure Father, we, um, or personally me, can just be so quickly undone by this list of, of sin. And yet, um, you know, my heart is quick to give up a, a truth of you for a lie, um, not trusting in your goodness, not trusting in who you are in all of your sovereignty and, and, and all of your power. 
you're a good God, Lord, and, and yet there are things in my heart that want to exchange that, and I ask for forgiveness for that. Knowing that you've provided the gospel, that we can speak that and preach that to our hearts daily, knowing that it is not um, based on anything that we could ever do or earn or deserve, but that you have, through your love, freely given us a way to you, and that is through your Son. And we thank you for that. And we ask that we would just live in light of that and uh, thereby be transformed by the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm.